Hi listeners, welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation and Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is Jack Dorsey talking about why the work is important. I chose this episode because it's so important that we remember it's far more important to get caught up in the work than the results. I always give the advice to my friends, whenever you're trying to start a business, always think, does the world need this? You might be a huge success if you create a, what I like to call a Me Too product, where people already do it and you're just making it slightly different. Like maybe it's blue instead of red. But most of the time you only create Me Too products because you just want the accolades, fame, or money that comes with it. And if you create something that the world needs, everyone will take notice and people will actually use it and you'll have a different level of fame, accolades, and money. When you choose to focus on something that the world needs, you choose to put the work before the results. And if you do that, you're more likely to love what you do and live a purposeful life. That's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Wow. This is a huge, huge crowd. Uh, well, thank you all for having me. Thank you for your time. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different, something I've never really done before. Uh, which is simply read to you from some books that have helped me along the way, helped me along a transition, helped me get started, uh, but also helped me through many things. And there's so many lessons in these books. And, and please, if you get a chance, um, buy them yourselves and, and read through the entire things. But I'm going to give you some highlights and some of my experience with the passages. Um, the first book is a book called The Art Spirit by Robert Henry who was a painter, and I know there's a lot of affinity for painters in these parts. Um, this is about creativity through the lens of an art student. And I'm going to read it through my phone because I could not find a bookstore that would sell me a paperback version of this today. So we're going to bring up iBooks. It starts off, Art, when really understood, is a province of every human being. It is simply a question of doing things anything. Well, it is not an outside extra thing. When the artist is alive in any person, whatever his kind of work may be, he becomes an inventive, searching, daring, self-expressing creature. He becomes interesting to other people. He disturbs, upsets, enlightens, and he opens ways for a better understanding. Where those who are not artists are trying to close the book, he opens it. He shows there are still more pages possible. And I think that's so telling for everything that you all are about to do, all the challenges you're about to face. You are going to be the ones that open the book. The world would stagnate without him, and the world would be beautiful with him. For he is interesting to himself, and he is interesting to others. He does not have to be a painter or a sculptor to be an artist. He can work in any medium. He simply has to find the gain in the work itself, not outside of it. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned throughout my career is how important the work is, 
how important not just the end product is, but the actual craft, doing the work, inventing within the work. The work of the art student is no light matter. Few have the courage and stamina to see it through. You have to make up your mind to be alone in many ways. We like sympathy as humans, and we like to be in company. It is easier than going it alone, but alone one gets, gets acquainted with himself, grows up and on, not stopping with the crowd. It costs to do this. If you succeed somewhat, you may have to pay for it as well as enjoy it for the rest of your life. And that's something, if you do something meaningful, you are going to have to pay for it in all the work, but at the same time, you will also be able to enjoy it for the rest of your life. We are not here to do what has already been done. Everyone in this room feels that. We are not here to do what has already been done. Know what the old masters did. Know how they composed their pictures, but do not fall into the conventions they established. These conventions were right for them, and they are wonderful. They made their language. You make yours. They can help you. All the past can help you. And I think in Silicon Valley, and especially in technology, it's so easy to fall in the footsteps of others, to do what they do because you think it's the right, because, the right way because you think you've, they've had the success and you can copy that success. You have to find your own path. You have to find your own footsteps. An art student must be a master from the beginning. That is, he must be the master of such as he has. By being now master of such as he has, there's promise that he will be a master in the future. And what I mean, what he means by this is purely you have to be a master of your own tools. That mastership is not, uh, is not a destination, it is a process, and it's constant practice that gets you there. It is not enough to have thought great things before doing the work. We have so many ideas, but what really matters is the work to implement those ideas. And now, don't worry about the rejections. Everybody, everybody that, that's good has gone through it. Don't let it matter if your works are not accepted at once. The better or more personal you are, the less likely they are of acceptance. Just remember that the object of painting pictures is not simply to get them in exhibition. It is all very fine to have your pictures hung, but you are painting for yourself, not for the jury. And what's meaningful about this pa passage to me is we work so hard to get some sort of acceptance in the world, to get some sort of positive feedback. And we look at others and it seems so fast their success. It seems like they did it in just a moment, but it takes years and years and years and patience. Bookmarking interface is not easy on this. There's a time and place for all things. The difficulty is to use them only in their proper time and place. There's a time and place for all things. The difficulty is to use them only in the proper time and place. With motive, you will become clairvoyant of means. You will seize and command them. Without motive, you will wobble about. This, in building a team, in building an organization, in building a company, is one of the greatest lessons. You cannot do anything without a shared and common sense of purpose. If you don't have motive, if you don't have purpose that is shared between everyone, you will wander about. You will wobble. 
and you will not do anything of, of, of infinite means, you will not do anything that is timeless. And lastly, the art student of these days is a pioneer, just like all of you. The art student of today must pioneer beyond the mere matters of fact. I believe the great artists of the future will use fewer words, copy fewer things, essays will be shorter in words and longer in meaning. I love this passage. I believe the great artists of the future will use fewer words, copy fewer things, essays will be shorter in words and longer in meaning. We must paint only what is important to us, must not respond to outside demands. They do not know what they want or what we have to give. I think one of the most important things about what you all of you do is that you are building what you want to see in the world. You're making the bet that other people want to see the same thing in the world. Sometimes you lose a bet, sometimes you win the bet. But the most important thing is you have that passion to build for yourself because that is what's infectious and that is what brings other people to your cause and to your team. The second book is by a local favorite. His name is Bill Walsh, who is the coach of the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers. He took a team that was at the very, very bottom and he brought them to the top. He focused entirely on the details. He didn't come in and just say, you all need to win games. He said, you need to tuck in your shirts. You need to clean your lockers. This is how we answer the phones here. He set a new standard of performance. One of the hardest transitions anyone has to make, and especially anyone in this room has to make, is going from individual creation to actually leading a team. It's something that I certainly fumbled with along the way. I was not really excited about reading any leadership books or management books, and this was actually the first one that I ever read, and it was given to me by Keith Raboy when I hired him as our GM at Square and a 23rd employee. I want to read a few passages of it from, uh, from this book to you. So he starts off the book by saying, Running a football franchise is not unlike running any other business. You start first with a structural format and basic philosophy, and then find people who can implement it. You start first with an idea and a philosophy, a purpose, a mission, and then you go and you find people to help you implement it. The book, if you read it, and I definitely encourage you to read this book if you're thinking about leading teams or building a company or leading a team within an organization, is a series of lists. A series of lists of what to do and a series of lists of what not to do. And he starts off by establishing a, a standard of performance. And Bill's standard of performance is thus. First, when you establish a standard of performance with your team, you start with a comprehensive recognition of reverence for and identification of the specific actions and attitudes relevant to your team's performance and production. Number two, you be clear and clear in communicating your expectation of high effort and execution of your standard of performance. Number three, let all know that you expect them to possess the highest level of expertise in their area and responsibility. Number four, Beyond standards and methodology, you teach your beliefs, your values, and your philosophy. Number five, 
teach connection and extension. You don't want a group of independent contractors. You want people who feel connected that can actually expand the organization. And number six, make the expectations and metrics of competence that you demand in action and attitudes from personal to new reality your, of your organization. Now what's important about this is as you start building a team, you need to set expectations around how people need to perform in the company, how people need to act in the company. And these can be very, very simple things, but without that, you are rudderless. You will react to the outside. And if you react to the outside, you're building someone else's roadmap and you're building someone else's dream instead of your own. And as you grow, you're collective own. 